Welcome to the Milking It Podcast, the podcast that tugs the teeth of popular culture until it explodes all over your face. And this is episode 21. As always, I'm David Davis. And I'm Boo Lamont. Now this week uh, we start with uh, a very different beginning, as we would do normally, uh, due to the news last week of the passing of uh, one of wrestling's legends. As you know, here on the Milking It Podcast, we do like to uh, follow a bit of the old wrestling news, and nothing was bigger than the news last week of the passing of the Ultimate Warrior. Um... All three of us, both myself, Boo and Jay, are, were fans of the Warrior and enjoyed his work. However, Jay was by far the largest. So it comes with uh, great sadness that we had to ask Jay to do a few words to remember the Ultimate Warrior. That's the control. Hulk Hogan. Stop that control into a nosedive, Hulk Hogan. The WWF, now known as the WWE of course, was huge during the early days of Sky Television in the UK. During 1989 to 1992, Sky saw a leap in subscribers, partly down to the likes of the early series of The Simpsons, partly down to the excellent range of movie channels, partly down to the exclusive television rights to the newly formed Premier League, and partly down to the success of WWF wrestling. In America, the rise of the WWF could be attributed to the mid-80s successes of Hulkamania, tied into the extraordinary triumphs of those yearly WrestleMania pay-per-views. By 1990, though, Vince McMahon was trying out an experiment. He was trying to replace the irreplaceable. He was trying to switch the status of the company's top face from Hulk Hogan to the Ultimate Warrior. To many UK Sky subscribers, the WWF's top dog at the time wasn't the vitamin-popping, prayer-saying Hulk Hogan, but the snarling, snorting man from parts unknown. Get yourself into a time machine and go talk to kids in a late 80s British schoolyard and just ask them who their favourite wrestler is. Some will say Hulk Hogan, of course. Whatever the 80s equivalent of hipsters might say Randy Savage, but the vast majority would say the Ultimate Warrior. There were better wrestlers, sure, but no one loved Ricky Steamboat, let's be honest. Warrior had this incredible look. He had cool, soft rocker hair, as opposed to the schoolgate lurker haircut and sported by Hogan. An incredible physique that looked like pebbles wrapped in a condom, and that cool-ass makeup that resembled a superhero's mask. He also had that wicked pumping entrance scene ripped from the opening bars of Communication Breakdown by Led Zeppelin. He didn't bother with rest holes, he just ran in, kicked the other guy's ass and left. He was the guy you picked at the arcade when you played WrestleFest or WWF Superstars. He was why you were enthralled with wrestling, and he was the entry-level drug to an addiction that still exists for many 28-year-old-plus men-children today. Yeah, soon you discover the technical ability of Ted DiBiase, the intense ring psychology of Jake Roberts, and later on you found the coherent, charismatic promo cutting of The Rock or the incredible wrecking ball charisma that was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Some of you may even have developed a taste for less mainstream wrestling, such as Ring of Honor, the British scene, ECW, or the Japanese federations. Some of you may have even entered the grapple game yourself. 
Certainly, some of this generation's top WWF superstars count The Ultimate Warrior as the reason they love wrestling. Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, Edge and Chris Jericho all held The Warrior as their biggest hero of their childhoods. He was a disruptive character backstage during his various runs with the WWF and WCW, making few friends and alienating himself to the point where there was no shortage of interviewers lining up for the controversial 2005 DVD, Self-Destruction of the Ultimate Warrior. Outside of the ring, the former Jim Helwig was an outspoken right-wing campaigner with some questionable views on subjects such as homosexuality. It seemed highly unlikely that the man now officially known as Warrior would ever step foot in a WWE ring ever again. Over the last year, though, things changed. He seemingly mellowed. He agreed to participate in the advertising for the video game WWE 2K14, something unthinkable just a couple of years back. Finally, Triple H approached him about being at this year's Hall of Fame. He agreed and redemptively spent much of the WrestleMania 30 weekend burying hatchets with long-term enemies like Vince McMahon, Hulk Hogan, Triple H and Jake the Snake Roberts. The night after Mania and having signed a three-year ambassador's contract, the Ultimate Warrior came out and cut a promo on Raw which now sounds like a self-eulogy. No WWE talent becomes a legend on their own. Every man's heart one day beats its final beat. His lungs breathe their final breath. And if what that man did in his life makes the blood pulse through the body of others and makes them bleed deeper in something than larger than life, then his essence, his spirit, will be immortalized by the storytellers, by the loyalty, by the memory of those who honor him and make the running the man did live forever. You, 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 you are the legend makers of Ultimate Warrior. In the back, I see many potential legends some of them with warrior spirits, and you will do the same for them. You will decide if they lived with the passion and intensity, so much so that you will tell your stories and you will make them legends as well. I am Ultimate Warrior. You are the Ultimate Warrior fans. And the spirit of Ultimate Warrior will run Forever! The day after this, which was 18 years since his last appearance on WWF Raw, the warrior passed away seemingly of a catastrophic heart attack. Without this wonderfully chaotic creation, many of us would not be involved in wrestling at all, as fans, as wrestlers, or as managers. We were all little warriors. Now... We're all a little heartbroken. Thanks, and rest in peace, Ultimate Warrior. I've got the
as always, it's now time to crack on with the geek news. Geek news. Indeed, geek news. What are we starting with this week, Booley? It's been a while. Uh, but you know we're back in Star Wars today. <laughs> we couldn't resist yet uh, another Chipmunks reference. And every chance we get. Absolutely. Um, how about we start some geek news with those heroes in a half shell? Um, that's the news, of course, that the first trailer for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Michael Bay reboot is uh, has uh, been put up on screen for all to see. I've mm. seen it myself, and I think I was a bit nicer about it than some other people. Dave, have you witnessed it? Uh, yes, you were probably a lot nicer about it than I was. Uh, <laughs> anyone who saw the conversation on our Facebook page, that's facebook.com forward slash milking it, um, I did post the trailer for everyone to see, or someone posted the trailer. I can't remember if it was myself or you. Um, hmm. I'll reserve my judgment if you if you want to give me your fanboy opinion because we've established before you're a much bigger Turtles fan than I have ever been. Um, I, interestingly, I've learnt more about the Turtles since this trailer came out because I started looking into a bit of the history and stuff of it. But uh, yeah, what what did you think of the trailer? Uh, do you know what they? Um, I knew it was going to be a reboot, like it was going to be something new. Um, it's a lot better than... Do you, I don't suppose you remember, when the initial news of Michael Bay is in control of the new Turtles movie, the rumour was that they were going to be aliens. Well, it's quite clear yeah. now that they're not aliens. They are what well, they are. They are the Turtles. They've been mutated by the secret of the ooze and, uh, and are now the heroes in a harsh that you know. I actually enjoyed the trailer. I thought it had the right amount of action, the right mm. amount of comedy. It's, it's the same as rebooting Batman to be dark and gritty. They've done what they can with the turtles to make them look as realistic. Uh, realistic's the wrong word, but I, I like what they've done with it. And then the bit, the, the, the joke at the end of the trailer with Michelangelo. And I, I just think, you know, if they're sticking to the, the traits and personalities of the turtles by the look of it, it's going to be a lot serious. And I think it's going to be a good middle ground where the comic books, the, the kind of adult darker tones of the comic books meet the, uh, the bright colors of the 90s animated series I think it's going to be alright I'm going to go on record to say I think it's going to be a guilty pleasure for me Okay, no, I can see that. I think I think guilty pleasure is probably the word uh, or the word. It's not going to be the Citizen Kane of, of comic book movies. Or, <laughs> you know. I don't think Michael Bay will ever be linked with a film that will be described as the Citizen Kane. Unless that anything. is the Citizen Kane of bad movies. <laughs> yeah, unless it's the Citizen Kane of uh, Megan Fox films, then uh, I don't think we're going to do that. It was a very, very... Uh, it was oh, it was just a very Michael Bay trailer. Uh, it was very heavy on the April O'Neil character. It was obviously I know they don't want to do massive reveals of the turtles now because you know you don't want to give too much away about how they are, what they're like. It looks like they're going down a slightly different sort of origin story from the little hints that it gave uh, from the trailer. Uh, I'm not convinced by the designs of the turtles. I must admit. I know, like you say, you, you quite like them. They look quite realistic and everything else. I had uh, quite a soft spot for the original sort of Jim Henson, um, the Henson Workshop turtles that they used in the original live action movies, um, and subsequently with the redesigned ones they used in the live action TV series. Um, I'm not, I don't know. I'm, I, there's something about it that at the moment they're a little bit too. Un- they have that uncanny quality about them. So it, they look very tall. For one, I would, I always imagine the turtles to be quite short, but these guys look at least sort of six and a half, seven foot tall. Uh, if you haven't a chance to check it out, have a look at our Facebook page. Uh, the jury is out for me. It's not, 
I didn't watch the trailer and think, oh my goodness, I've got to rush to the cinema and see it. You know, this this didn't have sort of X-Men Days of Futures Past quality where I'm just thinking, oh my God, I can't wait to see this film. This looks amazing. It kind of just made me think, oh, okay, there's another bit of my childhood gone. But what you've got to remember is they're bringing this out. It's, uh, I know that they're going for a darker tone, so there is definitely going to be the adult fans in mind, but he mm. is introducing it to a new generation of young teens. Um, who will not have necessarily have seen the original 90s one. I know that there has been a uh, reboot since. I know Nickelodeon ran a computer-generated uh, still Still series. running at the moment. Still, still running. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely fantastic. But I, I just yeah, I just think that this is a great introduction to a new kind of darker Turtles. And um, I'm not begging for, for a franchise. I, I, I'm not asking for there to be like, an, like loads and loads and loads of these. But, of course, there will be. That's what the Michael Bay machine does. It takes a it takes a franchise like Transformers, a nearly forgotten franchise at the point that the first movie was announced. I should hasten to add, yeah. And it's reinvented it for a new generation. And I, I can't stand those Transformer movies. I must admit, it definitely doesn't hold any of the uh, any of the memories of the older ones for me. I'm a big G1 fan. All you Transformers guys know exactly what I'm talking about. David won't. No idea. Um, <clears throat> however, I, I, I just I'd be interested to see what they do with it. And I mean. Uh, I believe that they've just uh, held it back for reshoots and they've added, you reminded me of this earlier actually, Johnny Knoxville into the mix. Yeah, apparently uh, Johnny Knoxville's revoicing, is it Leonardo? I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's okay, what... they've announced what he's doing. Oh, okay. Yeah, they've, they've, basically they've, they've recast a voice for it, which um, the executive who, who did the announcement was very, very quick to point out that this was always an idea that they'd considered re, uh, recasting voices on it. Because um, obviously that's something that's the beauty of motion capture, uh, not using real actors, is you can just replace their voices. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting choice, I suppose, Johnny Knoxville. Um, I don't know whether he, like you say, he'll have he'll have an appeal for probably people our age, but I don't know whether he has I mean, na- brand value for people a lot younger. But uh, but sorry, in a, in, a, in a similar vein to what you were saying about the fact that they're changing the voice around, I don't know, suppose you heard the news that the voice of Shredder. They changed that, and uh, so they changed the, the voice of Shredder, and the, the guy that did the voice acting, the original voice acting, hmm. was not happy about it because he's just he finished the voice for Shredder. He, he put on his Twitter that he'd just done the recording of the voiceover for the video game, which will be based on the movie, so we already know that there's a movie game based on the new Turtles coming out. Brilliant. I'm course. sure that'll be amazing. Uh, Dave, if it's anything to go with the, other, with the Transformer uh, games hmm. based on the movie that have come out, Dog shit, my friend. <laughs> I mean, we've we've spoken about um, like movie tie-ins. It's really hard to get a good movie tie-in. I mean, we've, we've mentioned before about Ocean Software back in the day. Used to do all the, the really difficult to play sort of Robocops and Batman's and things like that. But I I can't think of a recent movie tie-in that was a pleasure to play. Uh, no, <laughs> sorry, no, 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 no. Right. I just, you're I, absolutely I, right. Um, if anyone can, then you know, uh, hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, it's TeepToker on Twitter, Facebook forward slash Milking It, as I mentioned, or uh, or send us an email at milkingitpodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, I genuinely cannot remember a decent film tie-in game. There, well, there is Dave, but they all came after the fact. Um, some of the best video games based on movies include The Warriors. Remember that one? Oh wow, that was a that was a rock steady Rockstar game. Rockstar game, yeah, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Of course, Goldeneye. Oh, uh, yeah, okay, Goldeneye. Yeah, I'll give you that on the on the N sixty four. Yeah. So there's been a couple. <laughs> yeah, there's been a couple, but like you say, much much after the fact. I think it's Warriors. There's probably like fact. what twenty years between the film and the uh, 
the game but uh, I, I don't know I'm, it must be it's a hard thing to get right I think and like I think like you say the the Transformers games for me they always looked very interesting and they they seem to get quite a bit of the animation right in terms of the the feel of it but they uh, they if anyone's ever played uh, King Kong the Peter Jackson uh, is one of the original Xbox 360 games Dave the thing about that game sorry I've got to cut it because <laughs> yeah. when that game first came out yes. the graphics were amazing unbelievable incredibly brilliant yes yeah played that like played like that... dog shit but yeah it was uh, yeah who yeah I, I totally agree with you it was a horrible control game but mm-hmm. the graphics were something else and this was the beginning of this was the end of the PS2, Xbox, and GameCube generation. It was the start of the Xbox 360. The Xbox 360 was first to come out. We, I was working for a well-established and well-known and still-running games company, which I believe you've also worked for previously, David. Mm-hmm. And we had a booth set up with the new yeah. Xbox 360. Can you imagine? A, li- a little mini HD TV because they were disgustingly expensive at that. Point. They were little Samsungs, weren't they? I think on those. They were. They yep. were about a grand as well. Mm, they're ridiculously expensive. <laughs> and um, yeah, and we had King Kong run because it was that impressive. Um, but now, when you look at it, obviously time, time is time is not a gentle mistress. She she makes things look bad real quick, especially when it comes to video games. And you're absolutely right. But but sorry to digress. Back then, King Kong looked the nuts. Played like testicles. I tell you, I tell you why it is worth playing now. Only, not only because it's probably ninety nine p in your local store. Um, if you can pick up a second hand copy, the levels are quite short. They're not difficult to plow through, um, and they basically took all a thousand achievements and split them across the ten levels. So for every level you complete, you get a hundred gamer points. <laughs> so if you're looking to boost your gamer score very quickly, then uh, that and Naruto, I think, are probably the two of the easiest games to uh, to boost those. Uh, those Dave, the Simpsons game, you press start, you got an achievement for pressing start. Oh, I'm writing that down. Right, that's what, that's my afternoon <laughs> sorted. Uh, <laughs> try and find bastard, a copy of that. Bastard hard to get all the achievements on the Simpsons game by EA. Bastard hard. Still, it's still a really popular game, though. I don't think they've done anything like that. And it, it, it won't be as good as the Lego Simpsons game, which we're still waiting for them to announce. Well, Watch this space. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. Where, how did we get to Lego Simpsons from the Turtles? This is another Milking It tangent, right? Live on the Milking It You podcast. people love our tangents. Don't deny it. Of course you do. Um, it's the only reason you tune in every week, or ten days, or three weeks, depending on how long it takes us to get an episode we, out. Should, should we get out of the sewer and get into space, Dave? Because uh, <clears> Star Wars Episode Seven has finally started filming. Absolutely. I've been sat by my phone waiting for that phone call, but uh, unfortunately... I'm really sorry, Dave, but unfortunately they've already cast you back. It's going to be Peter Mayhew again. (laughs) How dare you, sir? I've shaved shaved my back recently, and uh, I was hoping that I could just let it grow out and uh, and, uh, take that role on board. Uh, Sometimes you've got to let the Wookiee win. Um, yeah, I, it, it sounds interesting that they are, they're, they're gradually announcing stuff, but they've started preliminary shooting, like you say, uh, and they are staying true to form. They're, they're filming it in the UK, which... Yes, um, indeed. You know, is, as, as is tradition. As is, as is tradition, which is another uh, favourite line from uh, from our podcast. Um, there was a, a very interesting um, documentary that I was talking to you about earlier on, while we're on the subject of Star Wars, uh, which there's a link up. The, the full documentary is on YouTube, but it, it it didn't look like a fan-made one. I'm not sure the history of it. Uh, uh, Empire of Dreams, Dave, is a very mm. famous documentary. It's, it's an established documentary. It's been uh, um, about the years, and it is the official making of of 
Star Wars. I absolutely, I've never seen it before. I'm, I'm, I'm a reasonable Star Wars fan. Obviously, I'm as as, as much a Star Wars fan as I am a, a, a general geek, um, and I will watch things. But uh, I absolutely loved it. I watched it for the first time. It's like I say, it's called Empire of Dreams: The Story of the Star Wars Trilogy. There's a link to the YouTube uh, link on our Milking It podcast page on Facebook, um, which we, uh, we we posted up the other day, or Dino posted up. Thanks very much to, to him for doing that. Um, genuinely, one of the one of the best things I've watched in ages. Proper good behind the scenes look at, at how they put those films together, and some fascinating stories, some very very funny interviews in that. Definitely worth checking out. Definitely worth checking out. Yes, uh, and as I just said, uh, and, and not directly aimed at you, but Peter Mayhew is officially back as Chewbacca, and I mean this is just one of the characters mm. that they have uh, announced as coming back. We know for a fact that Luke, Leia, Han Solo and R2-D2 are also coming back along with Chewbacca. Hmm. Um, can I ask a question? Just you can to... ask, ask now... away, my friend. I know we, we have a lot of people who listen to this podcast, um, and it is, it's gradually growing in numbers of the people. And, and as much as we love our listeners, you're an unsociable lot. Um, yes, yes. Get on board. Get on board our social media. Sir. Send us a message. Let us know you're listening and enjoying. Or if you're not, send me some abuse. I fucking love it. He will take it on board. It's like a sponge for antisocial behaviour. Um, basically, right, OK, so this, this might alienate me from several of our listeners who I know will be massive, Ooh. massive Star Wars nerds. Um, including a contributor to the show, Jay, who I know is a big Star Wars fan. Um, <clears throat> Kenny Baker. Yes. R2-D2. Coming back for this next round of films. Why, in 2014, do we need an actor inside the costume for that, that particular role? Why? Because why? Because it's traditional, David. Um... Star Wars Episode Seven is a mark of going back to what we lost with the new, the uh, with the prequels. This ah. is, um, you know, the, everything was digital background. It was all new characters, uh, some you know, kind of some familiar like Yoda, etc. But I think this is a mark of the end of the old and the beginning of the new. I think that possibly this might be the only one they're going to do with Kenny Baker. The only one they're going to do with Peter Mayhew. I honestly think that it is a bowing out traditional. It's bowing out of tradition, and I think episodes eight onwards and all the spin-off films will be solely C, uh, CG and digital effects. So it's I, more I, of a, a, a bit of a sort of nod to them uh, as a sort of thank you. To the past, because you're absolutely right. This day and age, we don't need to have a physical actor. Although I'm against it myself, we don't need to have that physical actor. I think with a character like R2-D2 as well, there needs to be a certain amount of... Um, obviously, you, we, you, you need a solid character to play off. Um, but it's like you're saying, with a little mechanoid, like, you know, with a little droid, hmm. it, it can be fucking radio-controlled. Why do we need a human in there? And I think it is just to be maybe because it is tradition. Yeah, I just I just found it interesting when I read the news that he was he was going to be in it. It's like I, I remember being appalled when I heard that Frank Oz was only going to be doing the voice for for Yoda when they went and did Episode Two, and they went over to the the sort of full CG um, for Yoda. Uh, but now I can see the point. Do you know what I mean? I, I can see it opened up a lot more opportunities <coughs> for what they could film and how it looked and everything else. And I'm, I'm a big fan of Frank Oz. Full stop. So I, you know, as long as they got his voice doing it, then I'm I'm absolutely happy with with, with Yoda in those films but I just yeah I was very surprised I just thought in this day and age, be, I don't think Yoda will be back for these new ones though Dave 
Well, he's a ghost, this is the thing though, because he was yeah, uh, he was at the end of the, the 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 final final one, wasn't he? So I wonder whether they might do some sort of flashbacks or flash forwards or doing all sorts of bits and pieces. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how they'll they'll work it, but I can't imagine going a full film without at least a nod to Yoda in the background or something. No, totally. I mean, <clears throat> again, it's like I'm saying. I think episode, I believe that episode seven is the end of the uh, is the end of the old and the beginning of the new. Um, which they couldn't achieve with the prequels because they just were not popular enough with the existing fans. Yes, yeah, completely. A friend of the show, uh, Johnny Bailey, was saying that for him, they were great because they were of his age. And I think this, uh, and I think hmm. uh, the originals were great for us, maybe not so you, but for my uh, and our generation, we're very similar age, so our generation holds the originals dearly, and I don't think we got what we wanted out of the, the prequel trilogy. So I think this is the two generations of fans plus another generation of new fans, hence the Disney. I don't want to call them the Disney lot because, uh, you know, the Disney lot now includes Marvel, now includes Star Wars. But it is that Disney era Star Wars uh, generation and it's going to be new to them. So it's, yeah, I, 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 should, I have never been as excited about a Disney film as I am about Star Wars Episode Seven, and I mean that sounds strange to even say it. Yeah, it does. It sounds sounds interesting the, the way they do it. Talking about Disney, did you see the? Um, there was an interesting thing on Den of Geek, uh, a, a, a podcast, yeah, um, a website that we've we've recommended a few times on on the, on the show, um, where they were talking about all the fact that um, Disney are moving away from traditional animation and going towards like much like redoing the the original stories as live action films now the technology is there for them to do very good adaptations you know things like um maleficent with uh, angelina jolie based obviously on the, the the villain from sleeping beauty and there's there's a oh, new I, I, you can probably cut this out dave but i um i was sent a porno the other day called maleficent and it is literally what it sounds like it is a woman dressed as maleficent um <laughs> i'm not cutting that out but i'm definitely beeping it <laughs> And I get um, really well done. Was it Uh, any good? I was going to say, how is kudos to (laughs) Maleficent? That's a phrase I never thought I'd hear on the Milking It podcast. Anyway, back to the kids' films that we were discussing. Yeah, children. Um, Yes. (laughs) So yeah, so they've got Maleficent. Uh, There's a new Cinderella in the works for 2015. There's live-action Jungle Book, which we mentioned. You know, uh, before I know there's a Cruella de Vil film that they're planning on doing. There's a Beast film based on Beauty and the Beast that they're going to be doing. Notice that all of these, apart from Beast to a degree, are about villains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Chip and Dale we've mentioned before, Rescue Rangers film. Um, They're going to redo Pete's Dragon. Do you remember Pete's Dragon? Of course, I remember Pete's Dragon. All right, I'm just checking. And Mickey Rooney. Uh, maybe who passed away recently? Uh, exactly. Uh, nice, nice uh, drop in there, Dave. I'm sure that was Mickey Rooney. I'm, I'm probably completely wrong, but there's going to be some live Googling going on just about now as we uh, try and work out whether Mickey Rooney was in Pete's Dragon or not. Um, I know he was in um, uh, la, 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 um, Breakfast at Tiffany's playing a very, uh, uh, well, could be described yes, as... Yes, he was uh, in it, Dave. Described uh, as a racist mean, uh, character. <clears throat> yes, uh, that was... Uh, that was Pete's Dragon starring Mickey Rooney, who unfortunately passed away not long ago, and also Shelley Winters. Wow. Oh, wow, okay. Well, yeah, Mickey Rooney, uh, as we like to say, uh, nicking the phrase directly from uh, Kevin Smith, big bucket of win. And anyone who uh, who doesn't know anything about the history of Mickey Rooney, uh, maybe some of our younger listeners, uh, maybe even some listeners my age, because I'm a bit of a, uh, an old c- at heart, but um, Mickey Rooney, <laughs> there's a... Okay, this is going to make me sound gayer than I am. Um, I'm going to cut that out, Dave. Uh, I don't believe anyone will believe that line. 
What? What? Um, if you want to know, right? If you want to complain about the way that pop stars are treated by the system nowadays, you want to talk about Simon Cowell and how dreadful like Psycho Records are when they, they you know, how they're dealing with these people and they pick them up and drop them and they have these crazy demands to make them cut their hair a certain way. And you want to talk about that? Have a look back at the old Hollywood studio system and the control that they had over their stars. You will the stories that you can hear about Nicky Rooney and Judy Garland back in the day, the way those two were treated by the studio system will make your hair curl honestly some of the worst dare i say it abuse of youngsters in a just a making them work every hour god sends but this was before sort of child laws and stuff came in in terms of the amount of work they could do per day and this that and the other they worked them into the ground during their films um but just he he survived the system uh still say working up until very very recently in fact he's just finished recording uh, Night at the Museum 3 uh, he was in the first two playing a security guard um, so yeah a, a massive bucket of win uh, for, for that yeah, for that man uh, Mickey Rooney uh, I can't even believe we've mentioned Mickey Rooney on the Milking Podcast that's uh, that's uh, come out of nowhere but uh, yeah so in, in terms of those films that was just it, it, it was very interesting for me uh, reading that that's the way that Disney are going and you know now they can have those those CG effects and everything in them that they, they're doing it I'm I'm probably most excited about the Chip and Dale movie uh, no Dave it's the Rescue Rangers not the dancers oh son of a <laughs> anyway um, I, sorry but I, just before we get off the subject of um, of Disney last year uh, they re-released the DuckTales game I think it's about time for a reboot of DuckTales in general um, the game sold really well. Yes. The, the, the theme song still holds up to this day as one of the greatest uh, theme songs of any TV show. In fact, we're going to play a little snippet of it now. Life is like a hurricane here in Duckburg. Race cars, lasers, aeroplanes. It's a duck blur. Might solve a mystery. Indeed. But yeah, so uh, how we got into that, I don't know. Star Wars, that's right. So um, <laughs> From Scrooge McDuck to Star Wars. To Star Wars. <laughs> but yes, um, just the last little tidbits of Star Wars news, we'll just get through it really quickly. They are cool. going back to Tatooine, that's confirmed. Excellent. And the, currently they are uh, on a search, or they think they've found a, an, a young actress, a uh, mixed race actress, who is going to be playing either Obi-Wan's daughter or granddaughter. I think at this point in the story, surely it would be granddaughter if she's a young lass have they ever no have they ever hinted in the canon of the films that he's got siblings not siblings he's got children Uh, children i i didn't even i i I didn't even know everyone you know like to pull out the lightsaber and use a bit of force oh dear jay get on it did they ever mention that he'd got a granddaughter or a daughter or anything like that we want to know what's happening tell us Get on board with your uh, Star Wars information, please, sir. Um, yeah, so there's lots of interesting Star Wars news coming up. Um, I, would I would imagine that it will roll on and on from now on, won't it, really? It's, uh, yeah, yeah, we're not going to stop hearing about this until it's released in... Uh, is it 2016 or 2015? It is 2016. 2016 yeah. mm, interesting. Very interesting. In terms of movie news, uh, there was a little bit of information uh, leaked about the uh, Sinister Six movie which I was reading. 
Um, Amazing Spider-Man uh, 2 is out in the cinemas now. Very mixed reviews from what I've been reading online. Not had a chance to, to catch up with it yet, but uh, from, from everything I've reading, the, the main criticism seems to be that, as we said about probably four or five episodes ago, it looked like they were trying to pack in far too many villains in one film. Yeah, that is the problem. What you're doing is you're... A lot of, with a lot of these superhero movies, the hero is established, the hero is a given. It's the villains that sell the movie. And with this one, they've just over-egged that villainous pudding by adding too many villains. And notice that they kind of announced them one by one. Originally, it was just going to be Spider-Man Electro. You, hmm. As interesting as that is, you wouldn't sell me on that alone. Then there came out that Rhino was going to be in it, and um, Paul Giamatti, yeah, it's Paul Giamatti. Um, I'm not, I'm not sold on the idea of the Rhino as a mech outfit. However, Paul Giamatti is one of my favourite actors. Um, Absolutely. If you yeah. haven't seen American Splendor, where he plays Harvey Pekar, mm. just, uh, don't pause the podcast. Wait till we finish talking. Yeah, give us a we, minute. When I, don't fucking worry. hell! <laughs> and then go and track down a copy of American Splendor. Um, it actually counts as a comic book movie, and it, it is my favourite comic book movie of all time. I would, um, anything, I would, I would suggest. Sorry to interrupt you. That no, no, that, no, that would be a, be perfect fodder for uh, another podcast that I believe exists. Um, I would be very interested to hear your. Uh, oh yeah, shit! <laughs> and don't forget to listen to the totally insane tape show. Because remember, if it's not the shits, it's the tits with myself and Dino Peppers. Yeah, I would put that uh, as as a very good. Uh, a very good movie for you two to to uh, review. I'd be interested to hear both of your thoughts on that. To be fair, you watch enough shit as it is, Dave. Stop suggesting. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, there was uh, there was an interesting. I, I presume in, a, in an upcoming episode uh, that you'll be discussing some uh, films based around the world of professional wrestling. Uh, there was some interesting uh, links being sent backwards and forwards between the two of you to different ones. Uh, so I'm I'm quite looking forward to that because I I do like myself a bit of uh, ready to rumble and things like that. So. Uh, yeah, very good, very good podcast. I know they're two of my friends doing it, uh, but I genuinely do enjoy listening to it every week. It's uh, it's really, really good fun. And uh, laugh out loud moments, a go-go. If only when Boo gets something incredibly wrong. Uh, I'm not going to reveal the spoilers from uh, one of the episodes, but uh, he does make one of his biggest balls up of all time. When he... No, Dave. <laughs> You've made me out to be some kind of Clouseau-esque fool. But uh, I assure you that it is purely editing that that, that makes me sound uh, like a dick. Absolutely. And that's that, the, the rest of it is editing to make me sound shit, I assure you. Anyway, that's the Tits podcast available on iTunes and now Stitcher, I believe. Yes, indeed. Mm. Um, okay, so uh, just uh, nipping back to uh, the Sinister Six that I was mentioning. Um, so they've announced the uh, the director for that is going to be a director called Drew Goddard. Uh, he will be familiar. Oh, the phones? Mm. Is that Drew Cabin in the Woods, Goddard? This is it. This is what I was going to say. He he did Cabin in the Woods, which I think is a film that you've waxed lyrical about on a previous uh, Milky It podcast. Has been I've waxed Cabin many things um, about Cabin in the Woods. I love this movie. Hmm. Um, one of the highlights uh, of, I believe it was 20, God, Jesus, was it 2012 that came out? I think it was, yeah, yeah. In fact, um, I, you, you would have mentioned it on our Halloween episode as, as a film that you would recommend. Oh, absolutely, and I still would recommend it. Um, it's a, it just a fantastic. It's like two films in one. It's like two great horror films in one. 
Um, if you're a fan of anything Sam Raimi, if you're a fan of anything uh, Joss Whedon, then hmm. just just wait till the show's over and go and watch Cabin in the Woods. See all these suggestions. You want to have a pen and paper handy when you're listening to uh, the Milky Podcast because we do come up with the loads of crazy stuff that you need to be. Do as we say. <laughs> <laughs> Check these out, and we, we'll be asking questions next time. Uh, but the interesting thing that came out of the, the there was an interview on IGN that, that uh, they did uh, with the producer of the film, Matt Tolmuk, um, and he made the comment that nothing is sacred, so you. Should shouldn't be expecting the traditional lineup. Boo, your thoughts. Can they deviate from the traditional Sinister Six lineup and still have a good film? Uh, yes, they can. The, the problem is, with, with the Sinister Six, some of the leave members, including Dr. Octopus, we've seen them. They've been done. Yes, and with the exception of the Green Goblin, who has to be in a Spider-Man movie, he's the Joker to Spider-Man's Batman. That made sense. <laughs> He's the, He's the Red villain. Skull yes. to Captain America's America. America. Um, <laughs> but yes, no, it, it's fine. The Sinister Six, the, the membership um, has changed over a, a few times over the years. Ah, okay. And um, yeah, it's not it's not like a set roster. It's like the X Men. There is no set roster of the X Men. I know there are various kind of offshoots, but um, but you know, like X Force, X Factor, blah sure. blah blah. X Factor, yes. I remember them. Was that Albert, uh, Just Incredible, and Sean Maltman's X-Pac, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah, with the Uncle Cracker soundtrack. Uh, oh, yeah. remember that, kids? It sounded like this. Yo, you dealing with the X-Factor. I got everything I ever Yo. wanted, and I'll never Yo. give that back. Yo. Oh, I know you hate the that X-Factor, but you ain't gotta look at me like that. I said you ain't gotta look at me like that. <laughs> dreadful, dreadful entrance music. What are some of the worst? Hello, milksters. Your old pal and friend of the show, Moss Man here, off of 80s classic cartoon, Masters of the Universe. As you can imagine, I've had a lot of time on my hands since that cartoon finished and I've been aching to hear some quality, geeky podcast that rounds up all the news in a nice, tight package. Only thing is, we don't have iPhones. Oh, not after old King Randor fell out with Steve Jobs back in 92. Well, imagine my delight that now the Milk and Get podcast is available on Stitcher for Android users like myself. Stitcher.com has all the information. Oh, I can't wait to tell Fisto. He'll be well made up. Hi, I'm Barry Scott. Are you having problems with your everyday podcast? Well, why don't you grab some tin? It's the Totally Insane Tape Show featuring Dino Peppers and Poon and reviewing the very best and very worst of cult cinema. Get it in your kitchen, get it in your ear. I'm Barry Scott. Hello, uh, pretend Cockney TV presenter Russell Brand here, Dinkle, Ballbag, etc. When I'm not trying to start a faux revolution or get my end away, Corblimey, I like to visit facebook.com forward slash milking it. It's full of geeky goodness, ain't it? Sighting, if anything. Dinkle, tight trousers, etc. Revolution? Anyone? Hey, how's it going, Milksters? I'm David Davis. And I'm your old buddy, Boo Lamont. And we want to tell you how you can get in contact with the wonderful Milking It podcast. It's very, very simple. It's so simple, even Boo can do it. I does computers. 
Yes, you can email us. It's milkingitpodcast at gmail.com. Or I believe we also have a Facebook boo. Uh, I believe it's facebook.com forward slash milkingitpodcast. And if you want to be ignored in a cyberspace, then please follow us on Twitter. Yes, our Twitter is at Teat Tugger. That's at Teat Tugger. Because we're the podcast that tugs at your public culture and explodes all of your face. Get it? Yeah, see, how, see how it works? <laughs> Clever, eh? Yes, those are the three main ways to get in contact with us. If you have any ideas for future shows, if you're really pissed off at me for any reason, I'm, I'm sorry. But please send us an email and abuse away. So, all last week, all I heard from Jay is, I'm playing with kids, I'm playing with kids. I said, why are you playing with the kids, Jay? He said, because I have to review Goat Simulator in this week's Sticky Thumb Fun Emporium. I have to confess that I downloaded Goat Simulator in the false belief it was called Goat Stimulator. As lovely as Gruff is, he isn't very responsive to my touch, even when I wear stockings. I just want to give the guy release. He just looks scared most of the time. Maybe I should let him outside for a bit, except he'll run away. I can't lose my goat. Anyway, I thought this goat stimulation program would help. Instead, I got this ridiculous clusterfuckery. Controlling a billy beast with a penchant for anarchy, your remit is to reduce a small hamlet into a mess of splinters with your horns and your adhesive tongue. There's no point, no endgame, and no way to die. You're Jason Voorhees in four-legged, fetter-squirting form, hell-bent on destruction. You're a hairy-chinned git of an animal. This is a game based on a physics engine that vomits upon seeing the word realistic. Someone has taken a level of Tony Hawk and got rid of the octogenarian boardsman in his 2000-era skater-punk soundtrack and instead replaced it with a clumsy, gravity-ignorant farmyard beast. Coffee Stain Studios released it on April the 1st with a tongue pressed so far in its collective cheek that it looks like an elephant's erection hidden underneath a pink ham duvet cover. It's willfully, dutifully stupid. Made in less than a month, it's a broken mess and a hilarious self-referential joke. It's an entire game built on those silly moments in big budget titles where the engine has a little paddy and bodies sink into the floor or heads contort and twist in impossible ways. Coffee Stain has actually released a statement suggesting that it's a waste of money and you should wait until it's a couple of dollars in the Steam sale. Make your own mistake, they're in on this joke. The Swedish coders have made a wonderful sandbox for you to explore and Belmat. There are all sorts of secrets to find as you gallop around the tightly packed small map. Anti-grav laboratories, rocket packs, other species to unlock, a hidden UFO, achievement messages like Michael Bay when you headbutt a petrol pump, they're all here for you to find. It's a voyage of discovery into a world of fuckwittery. In my first playthrough, I threw my limp carcass down a long water slide, discovered a back-mounted tennis ball launcher that I didn't know what it did for a few hours, and then stretched my lolling tongue from one side of the map to the other. You'll be grinning like a stoned chimp for the first hour as your limp-boned invincibility drags cars around with its unlimited super sticky tongue and glitch his way up a crane ladder. An hour later though, and the joke slightly erodes. An hour after that, and you'll probably never play it again. 
or at least until they release new patches, new levels, and perhaps a game that finishes. It's fun for as long as it remains funny. It's like hearing a joke multiple times. Broken physics in games are always funny. But when that's all you've got, you're not going to be entertained for long. But that's fine. It has no sense of progress, but that's okay. It's cheap, ridiculous, and most certainly cheerful. Much like the vibrator I just ordered online for my sex goat. So, that's three goat noises out of five. Yeah. Another little bit of news that's happened while we were away was uh, the, <laughs> well, this is an ongoing saga, as you know, if you listen to the Milk It podcast, um, a little bit more Ghostbusters news. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> what a surprise. Eh? Ghostbusters 3, as we, we talk about pretty much every episode. Um, last time we chatted, um, they were talking about the guys from the Lego movie taking over uh, the directing job because we spoke about Ivan Rentman uh, had stepped down Um and he was going to a producer's role, so they were looking at these guys from the Lego movie, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Um, but, as it happens, they've turned it down. Good. Yes. I just don't yeah. think this movie should be made. It used to be no Murray, no Ghostbusters. Well, now, sadly, it's no Ramis, no Ghostbusters. But the, the other bit of information that came up, um, there was an interview with uh, Ivan Rentman, or Reitman, sorry. And uh, he was talking about the the opportunities that are coming up with different films that he's working on. Yada yada yada. He's got a new film called Draft Day out. Um, doesn't look like it might be coming out in the UK, but it's it's out in the US uh, as we speak. Um, but he was talking about two films that he's been working on. Obviously, Ghostbusters three, which we've covered oh, ad nauseum on the Milky podcast. And I promise we probably won't talk about it unless there's anything really major that comes up now uh, going forward. But the other one was uh, the the <laughs> the film that we mentioned quite a while ago uh, and that was the sequel to Twins Triplets wow Twi- well, Twins 3 as, uh, as I lovingly <laughs> I told you it's all in the editing I know absolutely yeah Twins 3 um, unfortunately from what uh, Mr Reitman was saying was uh, that it doesn't look as if that's going to happen Oh. Uh, said that Universal's still working on a script, but uh, he doesn't think it'll be happen as it's a tough go to get Arnie to agree to uh, what they can do with it, um, and that he'd like to make a very very good film uh, rather than just putting out any old toot. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately not. So uh, it's, it's uh... coming from the same guy that made Jingle All the Way. <laughs> it's coming yeah, from it's the same guy point. that was in the movie Junior. Oh wow, Junior was uh, yeah, yes. But yeah, so a uh, uh, bit of news, <laughs> a bit of general news there, uh, really about the uh, the Ghostbusters three situation and uh, and triplets or twins three as it's known here on the Milk <laughs> Podcast. Uh, talking of three, there is a third trailer being released for a film that I think we're both quite excited about watching. Talking of three, David, uh, absolutely. We're talking about you're talking about the second of the first class movies. Ironically, this week the main news hasn't been about um, the the second movie. Uh, ironically, we're talking threes. They're also talking about the third one before this one's even come out, which it's is going to be called X Men Apocalypse. It's like we plan it. And Brian Singer, the director, has stated that his only plans for X Men Apocalypse so far. Is he wants Gambit and he wants Nightcrawler. 
Oh, Gambit, I love as a character. I must admit, and you know, we've, we've talked about how I don't really understand the Marvel universe, but Gambit, I think, has a lot of. There's a lot of opportunity there. I would have loved to Absolutely. have seen them develop him further into his own film. But I just he's, think he's a very cool. He's character. definitely a fanboy favorite, as is Nightcrawler. I mean, Nightcrawler is one of my favorite characters in X Men. Uh, here's one for you, real, real geeks. Um, a huge fan of Excalibur, um, which is Captain Britain's team. Uh, and it also has Nightcrawler in it. I love that comic book. Um, oh, wow. Okay, I might have to check that out. And, uh, you know there was a Captain Britain, Dave? Uh, I did, yes. I, yes. I, I, I knew there was a Captain Britain because I have uh, clocked almost 100% now the uh, the Lego Marvel uh, superheroes. And he's one of the characters, along with the Britain mobile, that you can unlock as you go around. Cause... Oh, fantastic. And I believe Union Jack is in uh, Marvel Lego as well. Quite possibly, I'm not sure. I have, I think I've got about four or five characters still left to find. But I, the, the problem is with that game is I'm rubbish at doing the races because the controls of the cars are so tediously awful. Um, I can do the races if it's on foot or bouncing around and doing those sort of things. But yeah, as soon as I get into the vehicles, I suck, especially flying. No, I know, I've probably said this on the podcast before. I find racing sections in certain games kill it dead. Yes, um, there are some games. I mean. This is probably the worst example, but I hate racing in GTA. <laughs> no, I agree. I absolutely agree. Even though the, the car controls are, are decent, and I just I find them really tedious. I can't yeah. get excited about it. That's what kind of killed the the GTA Online with the latest game was because the first thing you have to do when you go online is take part in a race. So I was just like, oh, I, I really, I, no, I'm not going to race against other people who've been playing this for weeks. No, oh, and I feel a fool because I really should have gotten this GTA Online thing quicker because I, I, some of the videos I've now seen, some of the things that people have created, some of the hot, like some some of the most elaborate bank heists you've ever seen in your life. Just yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. It's something I should have got onto definitely. Sorry, but I dig. I digress. X-Men Apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Um, one more bit of... Uh, okay, well, very quickly while we're talking about uh, X-Men and sort of superheroes and comic books and everything else, you'll be glad to know, Milksters, there is no news this week on Gotham, the TV series. There isn't. Uh, there isn't anything in the past couple of weeks that we haven't already gushed about. So uh, we're going to leave that on well alone. We're going to park that for this week. But I will very quickly mention um, a character that you mentioned as being one of your favourite characters in the DC universe. Uh, I believe... Our boy, Slade Wilson. Indeed, Slade Wilson, otherwise known as... <laughs> sorry, sorry, I just had a, a death stroke. Oh, dear. Uh, otherwise known as Deathstroke. So Deathstroke, um, we mentioned, was going to be appearing in... Uh, the Arrow TV series, a TV series that admittedly both of us said we hadn't watched so far and we were waiting for box sets, etc, etc. Um, so I had the opportunity via a completely legal means to watch the episode where Deathstroke came into the Arrow TV series. I thought, this is it. I'm going to plunge myself into the world of Arrow. This this wonderful, magical, wonder, wondrous world of DC that's appeared on television has got everyone excited about it. And he gets his top off a lot and he's quite good looking. So this could be quite good fun. <sighs> One of the worst television programs I have ever had the displeasure of sitting through for 45 minutes. The character was it was well imagined of Deathstroke. Uh, looked exactly the same. No, no, it wasn't. I've seen it. I've seen the shitty helmet they've given him. I've seen the piss poor outfit they've given him. This man is 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 like a super soldier, and um, mm. they've narrowed him. They've made him look like 
a, a guy that knows fuck all about making costumes for a start. <laughs> I just, just, I'm, I'm with you. I just don't like. I just do not like it. Yeah, I was I was so disappointed though. I was really looking forward to. It. I thought, do you know what? If I can get into this, this could be a new TV show because I'm notoriously bad. I think I've, I've said before, I'm notoriously bad for not being able to sit through and have the patience to watch um, many TV series. I've never really got into Game of Thrones. Again, I'm sorry, Milksters. I've watched the first season and just nothing after that really appealed. Oh, let's make some enemies. If you care so much about your Game of Thrones, why don't you just read the fucking books? Yeah, oh, there was a great link someone posted today because people were moaning that one of the uh, the websites had been posting um, spoilers as the show was going on the other day. Um, had been tweeting out spoilers as to what was happening in the plot. As someone pointed out, if you'd read the book two or three years ago, you'd already know what was going to happen. It's not. <laughs> I've also got a good story. There was a huge event going on on the TV series Game of Thrones the other day, and some guy in America was like tweeting spoilers. And someone was just like, sorry, we're in the UK, can you fuck off? And he was just like, hey, it's not my fault you don't live in America. That, that was his excuse. People were just like, man, what a dick. Oh dear, oh dear. I mean, no. I don't care enough about Game of Thrones for it to bug me, but I do, I am well aware of its popularity, I'm well aware. I'm aware that it stars certain pornogra- British pornographic actresses as well. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, you see, uh, that, that would escape my... Uh... My, my spectrum of influence so I'm not I believe, I, I, Mace, I believe Macy D was in there who again you won't know she is <laughs> but yes um, Game of Thrones is hugely popular at the moment and um, there is that fear of spoilers man sorry mm. just just while we're on uh, Arrow. Arrow yeah so I, I was just very disappointed um, I don't know whether I caught a bad episode or but it was just it reminded me of and we've spoken about uh, the, the TV series before it reminded me of the old Flash TV series off of the 90s which was one so of so it's more that than Smallville it's definitely Smallville blows it out the water in terms of acting sets costumes everything it had that look of a cheap TV production, which when you're used to watching the HBO stuff, you know, if you've watched your Breaking Bads, if you've watched pretty much anything, it was like watching, um, did you ever watch Angel and Buffy back in the day? Yeah, of course. Okay, there we go. It was like watching that, but with the same production value now. So keep the production value, film it in HD and see how shitty it looks. Because, oh, I just, I don't know. Like I say, if, if anyone's a big fan, if any of our milksters are big fans, then tweet me. Uh, it's Tugger. Put it on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash milking it. Give me a couple of episodes to watch that you think show it off as an example of why the world has gone crazy for this hour. Defend your fandom, people. Defend your fandom from us. If we're shitting on something you love, let us know why we should love it too. No, completely. Get, get me on board. You know, I am I'm open-minded to these things. I would love to be able to watch something and get really excited about it because I don't, I don't currently have a TV series other than comedies that I kind of get into a lot and watch all the time so i would love a, a, a comic book show i mean you've, you've finished watching that... every episode of the venture brothers now haven't you david i have watched zero episodes of the venture brothers uh that's not true actually i See am my face now i'm starting to i you know the problem was i i started watching it on on um on netflix and then i got sidetracked because not only did it have a load of family guys that i hadn't seen it also had a load of Futuramas I hadn't seen. I started off with the Fry's Dog episode that you recommended that everyone should watch. When Futurama finished, you said that was one of the most moving episodes you'd ever seen. Um, and I kind—I oh. just got back into oh, watching. Oh, Seymour! 
<laughs> just got back. <laughs> Sorry, just gonna have to give Boo a moment. I'm walking on sunshine. Um, but yeah, I just got back into watching like old Futuramas, and now I've realised things like Sopranos are on there, and it's like I've there's so much stuff I haven't watched over the years. You, sorry, just to go off on a tangent, I did not see Sopranos until the actor died recently. Um, oh really? I had never seen it, man. I have never condensed so much TV watching in one go. Oh, okay, right. That's definitely going to my watch list then. I haven't, I haven't started it yet, but I will definitely watch that if you're recommending. Must that. admit, a lot of it. I, I just checked out on YouTube like best ofs and most shocking moments and that kind of thing. I just because unlike you, Dave, I can't sit there and commit to what I know will be a fifty-hour watch. Yeah. You know, we've got fifty-hour-long episodes. I just can't commit to something like that. It has to be done at the time, or it's not going to be done at all. It's like Lost. I mi- I, lo- I, lo- I missed out on Lost. Yeah, um, I, I saw the first season of it, and then as soon as I realised they were going beyond the first season, I just thought I can't commit to that. It's you know just... what? I lie. We watched the first. No, I, I, I was uh, I was living with a lady at the time, but with, who, I was, who I was with, and uh, we watched. We made a point to watch the first episode of Lost because the trailer on Channel Four in the UK was so mm. weird. It was like almost like ballet dancing in silence. Do you remember that? Yes, it was amazing. It was, absolutely and, amazing. First episode. Yes, and um, yeah, that was it. That was the interest gone. Hmm. I, was like, I don't really care what's in the forest, and none of these characters are very likable. No, I think that was it. I, I don't know. I think I was naive, thinking, "Oh, they're going to do this and wrap it up within thirteen episodes." Probably at the time, I was a bit unaware of uh, American TV and how it worked. But I, re- I remember hearing a story about uh, someone being in a writers' meeting on the third season of it, and they were like, "Okay, we've, we've got five seasons of this planned. How does it end?" How do-? And they were like, "We have no idea." We don't, we don't even know how this season ends. It goes week, week to week. They were literally making it up as they went along. Based it's on... really funny you say that because last night I was watching um, some old, well, not so old, but I was watching some Saturday Night Live and there was a sketch. It was one of the guys from Lost and he gets in an elevator and there's one guy in the elevator. He's like, oh, I've got a theory about this. And then each person that gets on the elevator has got a different theory. And then uh, one of my old favourites, Mr. Adam Sandler, gets on, looks left, looks right and just goes, it's purgatory, man. It's purgatory. <laughs> Genius. Um, but yeah, so we, again, another milking it tangent. But yeah, so in terms of the Arrow TV series, which we were talking about about seven weeks ago, uh, very disappointing, unfortunately. Um, I would like to be proved wrong. If you know of some great episodes that I can watch to get on board with that one, then I would really, really appreciate you guys uh, letting me know. Um, uh, very quickly, a, a TV series just to jump but not too far it's still staying on the DC universe uh, Robot Chicken we mentioned it a few weeks ago they had a, a DC special their second DC special Boo I know you've seen it how hey. how did it rate against the first one uh, is it worth me giving that a watch is it worth the milksters yeah. giving it a watch <clears throat> always whenever it comes to Robot Chicken it's definitely worth watching episode one of the new series has just finished playing um yeah, really, really good. And um, it's always done with a touch of respect and knowledge. That's the thing mm. about the Robot Chicken DC specials. Loads of random villains in there. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely worth a watch. Very funny. Um, the second one uh, is called Villains Paradise, I believe, or yeah. Villains in Paradise. Maybe not as funny as the first one. Uh, the first one really focused on the, the, the League, um, you know, the Batman, um, Aquaman. Yeah. Wonder Woman, etc. But yeah, it's definitely worth tracking down because the DC guy, uh, the, sorry, the Robot Chicken guys are always very funny, always very topical, and uh, of course it's DC related day, so you dig it the most. Yeah, absolutely. I, w- I will definitely, definitely give that uh, a, a look because it was um, 
it, it was on my list of things to try and watch, but I, I haven't got round to it at the moment. But uh, yeah, I will definitely check that out. Um, I, I always enjoy the bits of um, Robot Chicken that I've I've, I've seen. Um, and like you say, I think it is the fact that, and, and I know we've mentioned that uh, a few times, but it is that respect that the guys have. You can tell that they're into their comic books and they're into their sort of action figures and stuff. And it, it does it does make a difference because you know it's it's always humour coming from a good place as opposed to someone taking the piss out of geek culture and, and nerds generally. But uh, very good, very good. But yeah, I just wondered whether you'd had a chance to see that. Um, yes, no, no, definitely. And sorry, you just made a really good point about like they don't. I've seen some shows in the last few days, which, for lack of a better word, I, I, I'm going to create a new phrase and a new genre here, Dave. Hello. But, geek, <laughs> um, but I, I've started to notice what I call geek exploitation. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. Yes, I like it. Okay, I well, like the, it. These shows are geared to, to for people that aren't into geek culture, really. But, but because it's the in thing at the moment, it was like... Um, girls in superhero outfits having pillow fights in an MMA cage and this was as part of a this was a I'm sorry how do you stumble on that on how, how do you no, 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 what no, are you typing into your search engine to get this that is sort the of thing. thing to come this on? was on a show called Superpower Beatdown and it's basically a YouTube show I wasn't going to mention I'm going to mention yeah, it. yeah, it's called cool, Superpower yeah. Beatdown it's a it's it's got some really good um, fan made fights between various super, superheroes like so Batman versus Wolverine they got Wolverine versus Predator and these are all done like in actual little films okay but the people that present it and the, the the framing device for this show is fucking disgusting it is so awful and it's so there just to exploit kind of geek culture and it's so obviously mm. trying to kind of cling on to this fad this fad which we've had our entire lives David yes you know, it, uh, it, it's it's a shame. Oh God, how how fucking elitist does this say? It's a shame the geek culture is the in thing at the moment because it's getting very hard to tell what's being made for the genuine fans of this subculture than the mainstream. I mean, there are some uh, geek exploitation is a thing. Let let this show is for real geeks for people that are into genuine geeky chat. And um, I just think it's a shame that a lot of these programs are being made. Uh, I don't know. It's definitely the, the in thing, isn't it? I mean, with, like just Arrow, we were talking about. Yeah, that's a very mainstream. Geek. It's, yeah, it's a mainstream take on what most geeky people would. I, I can't imagine there's many uh, like fans of the original comics and stuff that think that that's the greatest thing of all time. Absolutely, and I mean, with the Deathstroke thing, it, 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 you know, coming back to that, <laughs> I, I, I just think it's a shame because this this program, Superpower Beatdown, which is available on YouTube. Check it out. I know I'm probably adding to their numbers. That's not a problem. The stuff that they do within the show is good, but the presenter, the presenting team, and just the stuff that they do like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Challenge, uh, forfeit, sorry. So the girls will pick a, a superhero who's going to win, and the guys will. And just it's just embarrassing. The guys are like, if we win, we want you to uh, wait on us hand and foot in bikinis while we play video games. Why? What wow. is that what get do you know what I mean? It's geek exploitation. Just be aware of it, folks. Talking of uh, of uh, geek exploitation. No, no, um, no, not at all. I think I, I genuinely think you have a point. I think you know, there's stuff that comes from a good place. For example, what we're doing here, which, as we said in the very, very first episode, all those many months ago, um, you know, this is the same conversation that you and I would have 
if we were just in a room together, it happens that we're recording it, we're putting it out there and people enjoy it. That's, you know, it's us talking about things that we love. We'd be talking about these films. We'd be talking about these TV series. We'd be chit-chatting about these games we've played. We're doing that anyway. The fact is that we are involving other people in that because we know other people are genuinely interested in what we're interested in. We're not playing at being geeks. We know that we enjoy this stuff. In the same way that if we're talking about something that we don't know about, we we don't try and have an in-depth conversation about Game of Thrones because neither of us fucking watch it. <laughs> Christ's yeah. sake, I just admitted the only thing I know about Game of Thrones is that British porn actress Maisie Deese had a cameo in it. Precisely, and I agree with you that it's a shame that, yes, there are these things on the fringe that are starting to encroach now where you can clearly tell people have gone, oh my God, yes, this is the thing. Everyone's going to see superhero movies now, so you know we, we need to get on board and do a TV series about this superhero. We need to develop that. I I am hoping and praying that the Gotham TV series is better than what they've produced for Arrow because Arrow reminded me of the Birds of Prey TV series and Ooh. that was dreadful. I got that on DVD. I bought that as a box set. I had to get it as an import because they never released it, thank God, over here. I got through three episodes and I had to turn it off because it was just dreadful um you know so i i just think it's a shame that these things aren't thought about a little bit more and then when you get things like you're describing that i haven't seen it but i'll, I'll have to check it out now you've described as i said it's a shame because the interesting part i, I literally found wise it's an eight minute long show uh, about half the show is dedicated to the to the actual fight right and um i i could only handle two episodes with the with the with the um with the introductions and the and the, the hosts and oh my god like, um, I, I understand, like, tits sell in any genre, in any subculture. Tits and boobs sell. But I came here to watch two superheroes beat the shit out of each other. Boobs are nice, but, like, if I want to see boobs, I'll, I'll watch boobs. If I want to see something to do with superheroes, I'll, I will watch superheroes. If I want to see something to do with boobs and superheroes, I'll, I'll stick on anything which has got Power Girl in it. <laughs> That's a very good point. Um, sticking with the superhero theme... Um, to uh, to return to the the show as per normal. Uh, the only the last thing I just wanted to mention: um, really good short that's gone up to celebrate the seventy fifth anniversary wow. of Batman. I'm sure you've seen it. Um, I just, Dave, terribly. I've got plenty written about it. Um, we're talking about Strange Days by yes, Bruce Tim. Yes, the Bruce Tim Batman short, the short we all wanted to see. If you're a fan of the original animated series, which again we discuss pretty much every episode because everyone knows that I'm a huge fan of the Bruce Tim Poldini uh, original Batman animated Absolutely. series. Absolutely. I haven't checked out yet. I, I'm really, really, really beautiful. As soon as this show is, is mm. in the can then uh, I am going to go and check that out. Excellent. De- definitely do that. I, de- I encourage all of the milksters to do it. I'm not going to spoil any of it, uh, but the style, just everything about it is wonderful. It's a nice little nod to uh, to Batman in his 75th year. Um, Happy birthday, old fellow. Yeah, not doing bad for 75, let's face it. Dave, there's one last bit of movie news which I just could not let the show go past without mentioning. Oh, cool, okay. Okay, um, here's a call back to your childhood. Hey, you guys! That's right. It's the return of your favourite pirate treasure hunting gang, the Goonies. Ah. It's been announced that there has been, near enough confirmed, a Goonies 2. Why could this not have happened in the 80s or the 90s? I don't know. But um, as long as we get back some of the original cast and the wonderful Miss Cindy Lauper to do the soundtrack, then I'm all in. 
Oh, that would be very, very cool. Uh, yeah, there was a, an interview with Richard Donner on uh, TMZ, uh, a, a website that I normally avoid like the plague, but I must admit, when I saw this uh, this information come up, I was, I was quite interested. Um, he has said it, it will mean the return for some of the actors. So it, he's looking at getting back Corey Feldman. He's looking at Josh Brolin, Sean Austin, uh, Jeff Cohen, who everyone knows uh, has... Uh, has not really done much acting since, if anything, I don't think, has he? I think he's uh, gone on to become a, an entertainment lawyer. He was. He the... represents people in the entertainment industry, and he did very well. Also, he's not so much chunk anymore, is he? No, not at all. He's he's all grown up, a lot slimmer, and uh, everything else. But uh, yeah, I think probably the most famous out of those now is is Sean Austin because he was he was in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and he's gone on to do quite a lot of voiceover work. And I know he's done sort of TV work in the states as well since then. So he's he, out of all of them, ironically, star of Toy Soldiers, Sean Austin, has uh, has become probably the biggest stone cold Sean Austin to return <laughs> to Goonies too. By God, by God, can you imagine? Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, so Donna has said basically that they they are looking into it. Um, he said, "If you're looking at it like a comic, a comic book film, they're looking at doing it as a sequel. Um, it'd be interesting to see how they do that in terms of whether they they get in sort of." younger guys or just stick with them or what i, I don't know be dave i see it going like this it's a reunion at the, at the house they managed to save using one-eyed willie's treasure now because they used one-eyed willie's treasure the ghost of one-eyed willie comes to wreak his horrible revenge upon the goonies i think i think the um the only thing that concerns me about it is that um <laughs> and this is going to sound quite bad is that yes the director Richard Donner has made these comments that they're working on it. Richard Donner, lest we forget, director of Superman and the Lethal Weapon films and that kind of stuff, very prominent director, uh, is 83 years old. What? So I, you know, he hasn't directed... Maybe he could play the villain then. Well, he's not directed since... Well, yeah, if, if it takes much longer, he'll be playing a corpse. Um, if he's, <laughs> he's not directed since 2006, when he did 16 Blocks, the remake. Which was very popular. I remember that uh, selling really well at the time. Um, and he's part of the, the Donners Company, which produces the X-Men films. So he's, he's still had his hand in, in terms of comic book movies, and he knows how it works. But I would say 83? Is that too old to be uh, thinking that he's going to be directing the Goonies sequel? Or... Absolutely, Dave. Sorry, but um, we're, we're talking about a, a, a kind of a 30 odd year old movie mm. actually well so the dude was already in his fucking late 50s and um, early 50s by the time goonies came around yes yeah absolutely he's he's been directing a long long time don't know but uh yeah it's um be interesting well, to see. In... well 1985 was the goonies same year as wrestlemania so it's um it's been like 30 years like just, you said just on a slight but relatable tangent have you ever seen the superman 2 richard donner cut no, I haven't. It's an alternative version of Superman 2 available. It was originally available exclusively on HD DVD, David. Oh, remember that, kids? That did all right, didn't remember it? That? Yes. And Boulamont made the mistake of not only buying an HD DVD drive to go on his Xbox 360, <laughs> but then invested in about 30 of the fucking DVDs. Um, no, but in all honesty, <laughs> the, <laughs> the Richard Donner cut was really good, and it was different enough to warrant it being worth buying on its, on its own merit and i believe it's still now he's now widely available on on blu-ray and regular dvd as part of his superman box set so oh, um okay. if you want to see richard donner at work i mean he's he is a good a uh, good sorry, director mm. he's a great producer and he does seem to care about the source material of other people's things he works on so um 
83 might be a little bit too old to make a uh, a kiddie friendly Goonies too. But if they do it in just the right way to appeal to God, what would this generation be? I suppose it would be fathers of young teens now. Then in thirties. Well, oh, yeah, you're, you're talking about people our age, dude. Who? Yeah. No, we... no, 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 no. Come on. In 1985, I was two years old, Dave. All right, in 1985, I was five years old. So, yes, you're, you're talking about. I'm I'm now old enough to remember watching that as a kid. You'd now be looking at my three, my kids watching that. So it would be people who were around about. Are we talking about 12, 13 when the movie first came out? Because I'm t- we're talking about the initial viewers of, of Goonies hmm. at the cinema. Okay, fair I grew up, yeah, yeah. I grew I grew up with the Goonies. That's different to being there at the time. Yes, I grew up because it was widely available on video. So these people are the, are the they're looking for the fathers of young teens, and I think that's maybe the the audience. And no, not just fathers. That's very sexist of me. It's uh, parents of young teens because, of course, there were the girl goonies. Andy, you goonie! <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. But yes, it'd be interesting to see what they do with that, uh, as we always say. Um, but. Like I say, I, I think he's probably a little bit too old to be directing it. I would be interested to see whether he's just involved in the production of it. I would imagine so. They're, they've they've got to give that to a younger director to do. Um, originally, obviously, yeah, yeah. produced no, they by must. Spielberg. They must, they I can't must. imagine Spielberg will go anywhere near a sequel to that. Uh, Spielberg's he, he... not a young man, David. No, I know. I, I don't mean as in a director. I mean as in oh, I, can't, okay. I can't imagine he'd step up to, to produce that as well. Um, but uh, yeah, be, I'd, I'd be interested to see what they do with it. It was a fun, a fun film and one of the few films like that that still stands up when you watch it today. It's still oh, absolutely. It's still a cool movie, you know. It's, it, it's, it's a, still a cool movie. Definitely, absolutely brilliant. Um, there was uh, one more bit of news actually, which I, we need to touch upon because you you blew my mind, sir, earlier today before we started recording when you mentioned it. Is that there is there has been some Kevin Smith news? I can't believe you didn't know this, Dave. No, my my finger is less on the pulse, more at my ass. To quote, it uh, is indeed. <laughs> to uh, quote, chasing shoot.com <laughs> <laughs> where people get together and talk shit about each other on the internet. Yes, what the fuck is the internet? As Jay would say. Uh, yes, what what is the Kevin Smith news? Oh, David, your friend and mine, and uh, De- <laughs> and Tim Burton Stalwood. Mr. Johnny Depp Hello. has near enough been confirmed for a little role no. in the movie that we've mentioned many times here on the Milking It podcast. That is Kevin Smith's Tusk. This, oh, this film gets better and better with every bit of news that I hear about it. This sounds so good. Michael Parks, Hayley Joel Osman, uh, Justin Long's in it, and now Johnny Depp as well. That's, that's insane. That's so good. Even if it's a cameo, that's got to be good. That's got to be worth a watch. Just It just sounds like it's going to be one of the most interesting sort of diversions from what he normally does. Oh, oh God, my God. Very oh, fuck it. Let's go on. Let's go on. Okay, Kevin Smith, Dave, right? So Hello. James yes. Silent Bob's groovy movie. Yes. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. We haven't talked about it yet on the show. I Comes to uh, video on demand next month, in fact. So, I if you have a person who'll be getting a copy of that, no, I, I'm, look, I'm really looking forward to that. Definitely. I'm really looking forward to the Krampus anthology as well. Yep. Kevin Smith, he claimed he was getting out of films, and yet every a couple of weeks, a new uh, announcement. We still got Clerks three. He started. What, he, when did he write the first line of that? Like fucking months and months and months ago. Yeah. 
He's um, think... he said that he was getting out of films, and then he had a, a a sort of a Batman moment to mention Batman yet again on the the podcast um, when he thought this is this is a noble way to die, but not my way of dying. Um, to quote Frank Miller, um, when he decided that he still has all these ideas, and these ideas are mostly now coming from his podcasts. Um, when he's just riffing with people about stuff, be it um, Scott Mosier on the Smodcast, or be it um... oh Andy McAlfresh on um, the absolutely wonderful Education podcast, which if you don't listen to, you should get on board because I keep telling Boo he needs to listen to it, but he still hasn't. Hey, it's... hey, the guy, the guy sent us an, uh, a follow Friday on Twitter, and for that, I'll be eternally grateful. He certainly so, did, uh... Andy McAlfresh. Uh, God bless you, sir. Um, but yeah, so but he said, you know, no one else can make Clerks three, so that's in the bag. He's going to do that. But other people could make things like Tusk. They could make things like the Krampus movie. So he needs to get on and do those because he wants to make his his version of those movies before someone else, you know, captures the zeitgeist and goes with it and and does those things. But um, yeah, I mean, like you say, the the groovy movie. Very 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 excited about watching that. Um, it's it's had some really good reviews from the people who've gone to see it in the states and a self funded thing made for sixty nine thousand um, dollars, and they they made their money back within the the first two months of just touring it live and doing their sort of uh, Q and A's afterwards and and podcasting those bits and pieces. But um, very influential, uh, and I'm very excited. Because I'm, uh, I managed to get a ticket to go and see him do the Hollywood Babylon podcast live with Ralph Garman in Birmingham uh, at the end of June, which um, ah just cannot wait to go and see the man. So that was the movie and TV news for the past couple of weeks. Um, there's been quite a bit happening in the world of games, which we're going to discuss now. Bully, what's first? Uh, well, David, I thought I'd uh, I'd start with. Uh, are you a fan of Borderlands at all, or have you had the opportunity to play Borderlands? Um, everything I've seen, I've been a fan of. However, uh, I have not played the game myself. I must admit. Well, it's an RPG first-person shooter, and mm-hmm. um, it really is a lot of fun. Well, this week they have announced uh, that they are releasing a game which they have dubbed the pre-sequel. It's set between Borderlands 1 and 2, mm-hmm. and um, and it will fill in a lot of the story uh, behind some of the villains uh, of number 2, namely Handsome Jack. Um, however, the main appeal so far for me is that they have announced that one of the playable characters in Borderlands, the pre-sequel, will be the robot Claptrap. So it's the first time in the series that fan favourite Claptrap has been a playable character. Oh, Okay. And, and I know it's been it's been very very successful as a as a game franchise. They've sort of brought that. So is, is this in the same style as the first two, or is it? Uh, yes, this is style? this is a straight up sequel. Okay. Um, but what they've also kind of confirmed a bit more information with this bit of news is a bit more information about the Telltale Games. That's Telltale, Telltale Games. Games. Yes. Because um, they're also doing a Tales from Bo- from the Borderlands series. That was the one I was aware of because I I do follow the the Telltale game stuff. Um, I, I noticed they did an answer with that. I, I'm, I was getting confused. So there, there's two different ones. There's one that's like the style of the. There's first a legit two, sequel coming out, right? Which is set between the first and second game. Yeah. So we're talking same role playing game, first person shooter elements, and then there is this spin off which you will be aware of, which is the Telltale games. Yeah. <clears throat> as far as I'm aware, it follows the same strands as uh, the Walking Dead. 
um, Back to the Future, etc., like, they, like they've done previously. And the wonderful Wolf Among Us, which uh, I have to very quickly say, third episode came out, just started playing it. Very good. Still a great series. Sorry, I mean, it, they, they are a great... No, 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 but they are a great series of games. I mean, yeah, we mentioned Game of Thrones so, earlier. That's also fun. getting its own um, Telltale Games... Yeah, and and that uh, you know, I I would probably more likely play that than I would watch the uh, the episodes again. But uh, that's a, that's a, a side note. Sorry, <laughs> I think the problem is for me. It's um, I think I've said this before. Is to be interested in something like that, I have to be interested in the franchise. We we were talking yourself and myself, yourself and myself. What a brilliant bit of English there. The other day, both of us were having a conversation about the Lego games. Yeah. Uh, because you wanted to mention a specific title. Uh, yes. I, mm, okay, so uh, on Friday, uh, Lego Hobbit came out, uh, covering the first two movies of the uh, trilogy that Peter Jackson's doing. Um, and on Monday, I traded it back in, because I'd already completed it. Uh, one of the shortest Lego games, even compared to the Lego movie game, uh, that I've ever, ever played. Um, and... How can I put this? Visually very pretty. Um, Control-wise, very complicated. They've put in far too many elements into the game to make it interesting and to appeal to the collector in me. Because I, I love Lego Marvel and the other Lego games because you do you want to get every character, you want <clears throat> you know you want to get every vehicle and stuff. Um, they've introduced things that you you would more associate with skyrim like forging but forging stuff uh from having to collect the various elements and bring them to the forge and do the little mini game to do it and that's not a lego game for me it's that's that's an investment of far too much of my time i would I'd, i'd like to charge around do the little quests that you have to do do the side missions and get the red bricks build up your studs grind for studs if necessary as we've talked about uh there was just nothing that appealed once i'd completed the game i just thought you know what? I'm, I'm really not interested in keeping this especially with the knowledge that the third game um obviously the third movie the the levels based on that are being released as dlc dlc so, can yeah. you imagine if they did that uh, the, sorry back to the point i was saying is i wouldn't play the lego hobbit game because i'm not a fan of tolkien stuff i'm a fan of star wars I'm a fan of DC. I'm a fan of Marvel. Therefore, those are the ones that I buy towards. I'm even a fan of Pirates of the Caribbean to a degree. Mm-hmm. So these are all things I'm familiar with, whereas I've never played Lego Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, or Hobbit. And I wouldn't because I've got no interest in grinding and collecting these things from something I've got no idea what it is. But um, that's a real shame because that's kind of like uh, continuing the decline of some of the Mar- uh, some of the Lego games. Um, I know for a fact that the Lego movie game wasn't that brilliant compared... And, I mean, maybe it didn't have the source material, but compared to, say, Lego Batman 2, not... Yeah, I I still think, and as much as... Yeah, as much as I'm not the Marvel fanboy, the high point for me has been the Lego Marvel game because I just think everything about it was so wonderfully done, set in New York, yada, 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 took the stuff from Lego Batman 2 and actually improved on it. Um, the, the cast of characters that are involved are really, really exciting, really interesting. Um, there's some really nice, funny bits of voiceover work that they've done for it. Holy shit, Dave. I've just had an epiphany. Hello? Why are they not making a Lego Marvel versus Lego DC game? Oh, would they get away with that, though? 
make so much money for both companies. Fuck it, you could even add like characters from the Amalgam universe. The Amalgam Universe was a universe created in the mid mid to late 90s by Marvel and DC, amalgamating some of their classic characters to create some memorable characters, such as the Batman Wolverine-inspired Darklaw. This has been Boulamont's little factoids corner. Wow, there we go. We've we've all learnt something this afternoon or this morning or whatever time of the day you're uh, listening to this. Um, yeah, I don't, that, I'd be interested in playing it. Bloody hell, of course I would. You know, I, I think that's that's pretty good. But I, I think you're right. I think the Lego the movie the Lego movie game wasn't as good as we hoped it would be. Um, it, it still has. I still haven't got around to watching the Lego movie. That's that's. You need our shit, man. I need yeah, to. Yeah, we need to get on that, dude. Um, we need to wait until it comes out on DVD over here, which shouldn't be too long. Uh, June, I think. I think it's June fourteenth, something like that. That's all right. Um, that's not, too, not too far. So yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be interested in watching that definitely. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed the Lego uh, Lego Batman Two. I really enjoyed Lego Marvel. Lego Marvel is the only game I have left on my Xbox One. I've traded everything else back in because you know I've, I've pretty much played as much as I need to of, of the games. Um, kind of makes me wonder whether I want to keep my Xbox One, but I know Batman's on the horizon, so I need to just I need to keep the faith with that. But um, yeah, I, mean, I, I enjoyed it for what it was worth. It, it didn't last nearly as long as it should have done. Um, and it was quite confusing in places just to go on a sidetrack about this for, for two seconds if you'll indulge me um, it was quite confusing at times because normally with the Lego game you're used to going through the story mode and you have sort of four or five characters at most that you can swap between um, using the wheel and you, they all do different things because you've got these fucking, uh, these seven dwarf kings that you bimbling around with with Bilbo Baggins and uh, Gandalf pops up occasionally and various other characters uh, you know King Flim of Flamb and all that um, it, it's hard to remember because each of them have their own abilities so like some will stack up so you can climb up them like a, a ladder some will one of the guys lies on the ground you can feed him so you can bounce on him um, it's hard to remember which ones do which so you spend half your time sort of selecting them and reading their abilities that come up on the screen and and it's just it just stalls the game so much because there's so many little bits to it and i think i'm like you because i'm not immersed in that universe and i'm not a massive tolkien fan so i don't i don't know by sight who Tharamin of flingy flang is i i, I have to actually read it because i'm rubbish with things like that and, and i'm so used to sort of pick up and play lego games this was just too much effort for me. I was like, I'm not going to spend this time getting immersed. It's This isn't like Dark Souls 2. I'm not going to spend my time reading every little line that comes up <laughs> to try and work out what these things do and how I can forge the sword of Tharamin and all this kind of thing. It's like, I'm, I'm really not bothered. I just want to, I'll charge through it, get the achievements and then just trade it back in again because it was... It, a bit of a disappointment but luckily i had some stuff left on a gift card so it didn't cost me too much to be fair and i also got the the second film half price on blu-ray which i, I sat down and watched last night and thoroughly enjoyed i thought it was really good fun um a lot better than the first hobbit i must admit i really enjoyed it right dave um now both of us as has been previously established on the milk podcast are oh. xbox guys we yes. both I, I am a playstation guy as well as to have my ps3 i'm still a, a v i use vita whenever i can Big fan of all things PlayStation. Well, last year, one of the highlights of gaming for me was the fantastic The Last of Us. Just mm. emotionally wrenching, just a really fucking quality game. Um, they've announced now that it will, of course, be ported over to the PS4 
Um, if you missed out on it the first time, by God, go and get yourself a copy of The Last of Us as soon as it hits the PS4 because it's just a, a revolution in storytelling. You will feel... I, I, I still feel a little bit affected by what I saw and what I know. And um, absolutely fantastic game. And um, rightfully so, getting a re-release on the PS4. Maybe wondering whether um, we're going to start seeing a trend of these classics being brought onto the next generation consoles because of a lack of gaming for the new generation consoles. But I highly recommend you track down a copy of The Last of Us either on PS3 or PS4. Um, and so that is, that's going to be awesome. Just uh, We don't really touch a lot on mobile gaming uh, on this show, other than, of course, Jay Sticky Thumb, Flor- uh, Sticky Thumb Fun Emporium. I got it. <laughs> um, so, Dave, I don't, I, I, I'm not sure whether I remember you saying you did or not. Did you play Simpsons Tapped Out? I know me and Jay do. Uh, I did. I, well, I, I did, but I couldn't really get into it because I just knew it was going to cost me so much in microtransactions that I, it was okay. prob- probably not a good idea for me to get into that one. Then hold your thumb, sir, because Family Guy, the quest for stuff in mm. brackets, don't call us tapped out, um, has been released. Uh, it, it's exactly like Simpsons Tapped Out, but with a Family Guy flavour. And um, Dave, even if you just try out for an hour just to see what it's like, it's it looks nice, it's colourful, it's Family yeah. Guy. And um, I mean, until we get that Simpson, uh, sorry, until we get that South Park sticker truth treatment or Family Guy, this yes, is the nearest yeah. thing we're going to get to a decent game. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see uh, if they can produce a, a, a decent Family Guy um, game for consoles. But I, I was looking online, to be fair, this has shot up the chart straight away on uh, on iTunes. And um, it's getting some really, really good reviews, even from people saying that they can, you know, have a good, good game on it without having to purchase stuff straight away. They, you know, they're they're enjoying it just as a free to play game, and it's got that Family Guy humour, which is quite cool. So far, I've not found a single reason to spend any money on it. So uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. My only gripe with it is that the microtransactions are very expensive. Really? Oh, okay. Very expensive. We're talking like fifteen pounds for a character. Jesus Christ! Seriously? Yeah. yeah seriously. Wow. Okay. No, I'll. I, yeah, I'll definitely be. Uh, so apart from the, I, I mean, I think maybe they're going to address this in the future. But it's out. It's it's newsworthy yeah. and it's worth a mention. Yeah, definitely. I'll check that out. Uh, last bit of video game news I've got on my list, which is something that will interest you because I know you know someone in the know. So uh, they've announced that the uh, the new survival horror game Alien Isolation, where you play as Ellen Ripley's daughter, uh, in the similar vein to the for the seventies classic, uh, will be available, uh, I believe, worldwide on October the seventh. Mm, it looks absolutely brilliant, and I know we've, we've said this before that we approach with caution um, due to how good other Alien games have looked and then turned out to be the. Uh, we've been hurt in the past. Let's the be absolute blind. drizzling you know what um but yeah the, everything about this looks like they've produced a a really strong survival horror game um i do have a friend who i can't name because he's doing beta testing on it and um he described it as one of the scariest games he's ever played and he is a horror game and horror film junkie um when i asked him what the experience was like of playing the game he told me that um, the greatest moment so far in the game is that he had literally spent 12 minutes crouched and hidden trying to work out how to get out of this room where there was only him 
and the alien. And it was just like, there's just, it was so hard for him to even try and learn a pattern for how the alien was moving because they've got the AI absolutely perfect to the point where if he was firing a shot across the one side of the room, the alien would go and investigate, but not quite long enough because he was hesitating because he was so scared to actually start trying to make his way out of the room. But he he just said it was one of the most immersive games he's ever played. Um, and I mean, you've had experience of, of, of testing things at, at that sort of stage and you do play it for a long period of time and you do get probably more immersed than you do when you're playing it at home. I was going to say, you take it more personally as well mm. because you feel like um, you've had this opportunity and you kind of feel kind of hands-on with the game. I, I definitely felt a kinship to Beyond Two Souls and to this day I still do. That was an experience for me. That, was, mm. that wasn't just sitting in my living room playing the game at, at various intervals. That was literally, I was there for the sole purpose of finishing this game. Of course, and, um, yeah. So I envy him deeply. I would love that experience again. Um and to work on the to work on something that you know people want to play as well, there is definitely a, a little bit of pride there as well. But um, I cannot wait. I'm definitely on board for Alien Isolation. So that's October seventh across all platforms. So that was the Milking It podcast episode twenty one. Thank you very much for joining us as always. Uh, as always, as we say, thank you very much to Dino Peppers for his wonderful artwork. Thanks to John Sands for his marvelous music. Thank you to Jay Hodgkins for his wonderful drop-ins and especially for doing the Ultimate Warrior thing at the beginning of the show. Really appreciate that. Join us on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash milking it. Give us an email. It's milkingitpodcast at gmail.com or get on contact via the Twitter. That's at Teat. Tugger. I've been David Davis. And I've been Boulamont. And don't forget to join me and Dino Peppers for the Totally Insane Tape Show, available now on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, but while I'm here, Dave, I just want to say thank you to you, sir, for another wonderful episode. And I hope everyone will join us next time for the Milking It podcast. Adios. You want to milk it and you know. You got to milk it and you know. are as legitimate as heterosexuals? How are they not? That the anarchists, because queering doesn't make the world work.